Well, hey, all, welcome to the Common Good Podcast, our little special Monday edition that we call Red Hat, Blue Hat. Uh, I'm the Blue Hat side. Casey's the Red Hat, even though technically not wearing a red hat today. Uh, uh, Doug Padgett but here. You have- <laughs> Impeach Biden. There we go. Uh, love it. Love it. I'm glad to see that you Trump supporters are all for impeachment because I was starting to wonder. After two of them, I thought, man, you folks just don't... Uh, just don't want presidents to be impeached because it doesn't seem that what they do could be impeachable. So glad to hear that that's not the issue. Anyway, Doug Padgett here, Minneapolis, beautiful sunny day, uh, low humidities, unlike the weekend, and just wonderful. That's Casey Franklin there uh, playing the Red Hat part of our conversation, and Casey is uh, in bragging about being in the hills of Colorado. I guess you call them the mountains, don't you? <laughs> yes, sir. It's a beautiful uh, 55 degree day here. Sunny. Wow. Uh, and you know, 55 yeah. in Colorado feels different than 55 everywhere else. Uh, that's not high in the mountains with that sun piercing through and kind of warming your face. Man, you figured it out, Casey Franklin. Uh, hey, we'd love to know where yeah. you're uh, chatting with us from. If you're on the uh, YouTube channel, let us know there. If you're on Facebook there. If you're on Twitch, if you're on uh, Twitter, any of those places. And just a little reminder, sometimes we'll be referencing comments that people make. And if you're not seeing those in your feed, it's because they might be on a different channel on Facebook. We put this out on multiple profiles or this they might be over on YouTube, which is our preference. If you're going to watch this anywhere and share it from anywhere, we'd prefer that happening over there on YouTube. But uh, here's what we're doing. Uh, Casey and I have been lifelong friends. Well, not lifelong. uh, 30 years. (laughs) Kids, Casey, we're that old where we could be friends for 30 years. And still not be lifelong friends. Um, mm. uh, maybe even longer than that. Maybe longer than 30 years. I, I, I 35. Know. 35 years. 35 years and still not lifetime. Uh, both faith leaders, both people that care about each other, care about this world, um, and differ on Donald Trump and all the things uh, that come with that uh, world of, of uh, mega mm. movements and Trumpism and all. And we've been texting about this over the last uh, year or so, and we've decided to bring this text live to all of you. So... That's what we are. Uh, that's what we are up to. So good to see you all. Glad to have you uh, aboard with us. And uh, Casey, how'd you feel about last week? Uh, big indictment week. Donald Trump and a number of other uh, uh, people in the Trump, what the state of Georgia is calling, you know, a criminal enterprise, uh, were uh, presenting themselves, surrendering for indictment for the indictment uh, to put themselves in the custody of the state of Georgia because they're accused of crimes against the state. How did that strike you? Yeah, I think it's all a bunch of BS, um, to be totally honest. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's sad what the Democrats are doing to our country, what they're doing to the rule of law. And uh, I just, I think it's it's sick and it's sad, but uh, the thing that I love about it is uh, the mugshot because uh, as sick and disgusting and sad as it is, I also feel that it's the biggest political dirty trick blunder and will go down in history as the biggest political blunder Hmm. history of the United States. Talk a little bit about that. Why, um, why do you see it as a political action? Um, I don't see it that way at all. I think it's what they do in Georgia when they're having to prosecute 17, 18, 19 people inside of a 
criminal enterprise. They need to treat all of them fairly. Why do you think, oh, no, 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 this is a political thing as opposed to a legal thing? Oh, all of the indictments are, are political. They're all political. They're all uh, political targeting of a political opponent. And uh, quite frankly, um, I mean, I, I compare Joe Biden to Joseph Stalin because and actually he's worse than Stalin because uh, tell me one victim of Stalin's regime that was indicted in four different jurisdictions uh, with 91 indictments with prison time upwards of a thousand years. Can you think of a single Well, no, I think what Stalin is known for is extermination of uh, multitudes of people, mass genocide in his country. So I think to suggest that Donald Trump being held accountable in four different jurisdictions for crimes he committed before he was president, while he was president, and after he was president, to compare that to Stalin and mass genocide and um, murder of millions of people, I got to tell you, Casey, that is, uh, and then for you to say, and you didn't even accuse the person in a court of law, and then the person may have to spend time in jail, that's worse than Stalin. That's the kind of thing that, frankly, I think makes this political. Like, I know you say that the prosecutors are the political ones. I'm going to still trust this country that when there's grand juries and judges and prosecutors, that it's removed from the political system. You seem to think it's political when it's Donald Trump. Well, uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about the, the extermination stuff. I'm talking about the political targeting of of political opponents. And, you know, this has all been coordinated. Uh, every single one of these indictments, I mean, they've been very careful not to bump into each other. So they're obviously courting, coordinating with each other. And, you know, you can indict a ham sandwich. That's that, that's really? an old saying because. Really? Because you can indict a ham sandwich. Yeah, listen. I, I, listen. I get your point. You, th- you think it's easy enough to indict someone. You think an indictment can come down and that's easy to get. That's your, that's oh. your view. Because think of it like this, Doug. Uh, a prosecutor does not have to share any exculpatory evidence, exculpatory yeah. evidence with the grand jury that they're, that they're talking to. That's true. So... <clears throat> And, you know, all these all these prosecutors, by and large, campaigned on getting Donald Trump. So how can you say it's not political? They campaigned on doing this. Okay, so if Donald Trump, if Donald Trump is running for office in 2016, saying, if you elect me, I will lock up Hillary Clinton. Was that political? Was that him running? I'm sorry. It, his crowd may have said that. I don't remember him saying that. Oh, no. oh, he did repeatedly. That's why the locker up chant was started by Michael Flynn, who then later was arrested by the FBI and locked up, ironically. Donald Trump has said in 2016 who he was going to prosecute. He said as president that he wanted Bill Barr to prosecute Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Hillary Clinton. He's saying now running for office, I will lock these people up and I will be your retribution. So I, honestly, it's, it, I, it's hard for me to understand the argument. I know we've had this over text you know, for, for months and months, 
that you see what is going on in the legal system as political. You see what Donald Trump did and actually is doing as not political, just a poor guy fighting back. And this happens all the time in our conversations, Casey. Like, you're constantly saying you got an impeached uh, Biden hat, but you're also wanting Biden to be arrested. We should talk about that, and we will in a moment. You want Hunter Biden to be arrested, and somehow you believe that those prosecutions would be legitimate but what makes it illegitimate about, uh, in these charges brought against Donald Trump and his co-conspirators and the people in his criminal enterprise is somehow political. Can you help me understand that? You seem to still trust the justice system, but not when it comes to Donald Trump, as if he's the exception to all of these all of these matters. And, you know, I I failed to uh, mention early on here that um, I love you. Oh, yeah. You're my sure. friend. <laughs> and, and we can vehemently disagree and i and i think it's great that we can have these conversations because uh like we mentioned in i think the first one that we did you know um very few people are able to vehemently disagree like we do and still remain friends and yeah. i think hopefully uh that's what makes this conversation different and I, you know, uh, just stepping back for a second, you know, with, with people like you and I who are so polar opposite in how we see these things, um, the, the truth of the matter is, you know, let's just face it, I'm probably not going to convince you no. uh, of what I would love to be able to convince you of, and you're not going to be able to convince me of what you're hoping to convince me of, but uh, hey, that's okay. You know, we can still have these conversations in love because we love the country, I believe. I, I think you do. And I know I do. And we care deeply about these things. And we have passion. And, you know, that's what I love about what we do. And I don't want anybody watching this to think that this is just another political debate. You know, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. And I want to constantly refer back to that important point in our conversations but yeah, um, can, can i can i just add a, a point to that Th thank you for that i, I think the, the point of conversation amongst friends especially is to be able to understand our friend's opinion and perspective well enough that we could describe it in a way that our friend would say you've got me right that is mm -hmm. how i view it that there would be mm -hmm. very little difference between my understanding of your point and your understanding of your point, and likewise, that we could parrot one another's arguments so clearly that I could say to someone, hey, if you want to know what I think about Donald Trump, talk to Casey Franklin. He could make the argument for, right? That we get, we, because nobody wants to live in a world where there's all of this mystery about one another. Like, why do they think that? I totally don't understand it. So when we're doing this, this back and forth, and you're, you make a point, and then I'll make a point, and we're trying to understand each other. It's for that purpose. It's not for the purpose of trying to say, these are bad ideas. It's trying to say, I truly don't get it, and I don't see how you hold this together. Or I couldn't make the argument about, you know, Joe Biden is worse than Joseph Stalin. I couldn't make that argument, and I'm not sure you're making it. Right? So what we're trying to do in proxy and also in real time Proxy meaning for other people because they're also in these conversations trying to figure it out. So for anybody watching, listening, that's what we're up to. Uh, we're trying to 
hear each other well enough and also recognize that like we think each other holds views that just make no sense, right? Like that is part of the texting. That's part of our friendship is that we believe things that we think the other person uh, uh, could never hold to and likewise. So, okay, back to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. And uh, again, I appreciate you uh, engaging with me on this because, you know, it, uh, uh, you know, it's important. These things are important and uh, it's not just another political conversation. Uh, and that's what I love about what we what we're doing here is we're actually trying to talk about things that actually matter. These are things that actually matter and we're doing it in a rational, non-emotional as much as possible um, way that is uh, just enveloped in love and friendship. Great. Well said. So. Uh, your question. So, yeah, I mean, how you say you use the word arrested when it comes to my view of what should happen to certain individuals. But then when it comes to Donald Trump, you use the word holding accountable. Just we're just holding him accountable. And um, I don't think that's totally fair. I, I mean, I know you'd love you lo also love to say. Donald Trump was arrested, you know, I mean, you know, that's, that's a relishing thing, but, um, yeah, I mean, all I want is accountability. I just want accountability. Um, so if somebody does something wrong, they break the law, they should be held accountable. I just happen to not believe based on everything I've read that Donald Trump or any of his so-called co-conspirators have broken the law. I haven't seen anything in any of the indictments anywhere that shows that. So that's why I look at it and I say, no, this is a political hit job coordinated. It's election interference. We can talk about that later, a little bit later. And, um, and, and the only way that I can help you understand why I believe that, besides the fact that I don't see the evidence of any crimes, is the people that are involved in doing this. So again, Alvin Bragg campaigned on getting Trump. Uh, so did um, uh, Willis. So did uh, uh, the other one. I forget who it was. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, all of these people are, number one, they're Democrats. Number two, they're Trump haters. Uh, number three, they uh, have been going after Trump for a long time. They campaigned on it. So how can you say, oh, no, no, this is just uh, unbiased, objective, this is just the system at work. No, these are these are people who hate Donald Trump, who have targeted certain judges and certain jurisdictions. And this is all being coordinated by one party, the party that's in rule right now. Sure, sure. Let me, so let, me, let me explain how I can how I can hold that view, because that's what prosecutors do all the time. That's what judges do all the time. That's what juries do every single day that they're in the jury box. They set aside their own personal views or animus or affection for someone, and they do their jobs. That's what they do. You, your assumption that these are people who are simply motivated by politics, and they will violate their oath of office. They will either lie about evidence or suggest that evidence says something that it doesn't say. That you're going to impugn those reputations across jurisdictions 
involving judges, grand juries, prosecutors, investigators. And I've said this to you multiple times in text messages, or there's a more simple, clear answer. People are doing their jobs, and Donald Trump did the things that the indictments list. So that's the difference here, Casey. You seem to be saying regularly, I trust the, that the prosecutors could go after Hunter Biden. I trust they could go after Joe Biden. You trust they could go after a petty criminal or a mastermind of crime. But anybody associated with Trump, Michael Flynn, Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, any of them, and all of a sudden it's like, well, the only reason they're going after those people is because it's political. So I have to say, I think you inject the politics into it by saying, if somebody doesn't like Donald Trump, then all of their motivation is not professional, it's not legitimate, as if somehow hating Donald Trump politically is so powerful, it blinds people who've spent their careers as judges, prosecutors, lawyers, they're just going to set it all aside to bring up f charges that are clearly, in your view, not even crimes. So in the end of it, Donald Trump is going to get off anyway because these are clearly not crimes. So that's the part of it that I, I just say, I think I hear you, but I don't feel like that is a, an, 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 an... And if I've misstated your, your opinion at all there, please let me know because... I can't square that circle if that's what you're if that's what you're actually saying. Yeah. Well, um, I, I can't help but think that you would feel the same way that I do if um, prosecutors who were Republican, conservative, have tweeted that they strongly oppose and your person, whether it's Joe Biden or whoever, uh, and um, the the area that they're in was 95% Republican population. Fonnie and the Willis? Judge are, you talking, are you talking about that, Fonnie Willis in Georgia? Hold on. That they're going to is also someone who has talked about um, their, their hatred for the person and has uh, uh, donated money toward the other side. You see what I mean? So yeah, you've got... No, I, you've, look, I'm not arguing that, that these people may or may yeah. not have an opinion. What I'm saying is your suggestion is that I would feel that people are willing to set aside all of their professional opinion for this. It's I obvious mean, that that's... No, it, <laughs> it's not obvious. In fact, it's obvious because there are... Okay, so, so let's move on on this one. We differ on that. To hear you clearly, I mean, you just, believe that these people across the federal and state systems, New York, Florida, and the federal system in Washington, D.C., and the federal uh, judge system in court system in Florida, all of the people who have decision-making power are doing this not because crimes were committed, but they're ginning this up, manufacturing, faking crimes simply for political attack on Donald yeah. Trump. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and let me let me share one more one more thought. Uh why didn't they bring all this a lot sooner? Why why did they wait till now during the election season to be doing this? Why are they choosing dates for trials that are perfectly timed 
with things like Super Tuesday and other key election dates. You know, I mean, this is just look. It, look it I, is can't, so I can't explain a conspiracy that doesn't exist. I'll just say if they were going to do that thing you're describing, they should they would have done this before Donald Trump announced. They would have they would have done it, you know, January 30th of 2021. Right. So, of Why? course, they would because then Donald Trump wouldn't have been an announced candidate. It makes it more right. difficult that he's an announced candidate. It makes it harder. All right, so um, l- let me circle back on this one, Casey, because this one, this one is important, I think, to sort of for me to wrap my head around, specifically around Georgia. Let's just talk about that one because it's the newest of the four. You know, I, right. I like to say not only are there four indictments in four different jurisdictions, but four different periods of time. One before Trump was president, that's the lying that he did about the money that he paid to keep the story about his affair with um, Stormy Agreement. Daniels quiet. Then there was the one that he caused the insurrection and tried to violate the rights of the people of the United States. And the one that he he interfered with the results of the election, those charges. So those are during his presidency. And then the obstruction of justice that he did with the files that he was keeping is after his presidency. So we have four different uh, four different jurisdictions, three different time time frames for the guy. But let's talk about this one in Georgia for a minute. What I want to get clear with you is that when you say everything Trump has done here is not a crime, there's two ways someone can get to that. One would be the person didn't do the thing you're saying the person did. So let's say someone accuses you you and I of consorting to steal a car and we joined together and they say we joined together to steal a car and we say we didn't take a car. We were never in a car. We didn't ask any. No car was taken that had involved us. Okay? Yep. That's one argument. We didn't do it. The thing you're saying we did in the indictment, stole a car. We didn't steal a car. The other is that car that we got in and we took, we had the right to take that car. Mm-hmm. It wasn't stolen. We got in a car, you and I. We took the car, but we had the right to do it. What right. I want to clarify with you, and we'll just stick with Georgia because we can move through the boxes and the obstruction of justice, and we can move through uh, the federal level of, of what went on January 6th and before and after. Let's just talk about Georgia. Those charges that are brought against the criminal conspiracy, all of those that I know you've read, are you saying Donald Trump didn't do those things, didn't take the car, or are you saying he did them, but I, Casey Franklin, don't consider those to be a crime? Yeah, I would say there's there's cases where both are true. Okay. Talking about, I mean, really, the indictment in Georgia. Um, the biggest problem with it is it it actually, if you read it carefully, um, it should actually be thrown out for failure to actually cite what the actual crime really is. It's very vague in in its explanation, which is similar to what happened in the Bragg situation because uh, <laughs> he's Alvin Bragg is still not named what the crime actually was that makes a misdemeanor at worst a felony. Okay. So again, in Georgia, your argument is yep. some of the things he didn't do they're they've, they've made up story or evidence. And the other things he did that he did the action 
called the mm-hmm. Secretary of State and said, I'm looking for 11,780 votes. I need you to get those for me, which is one more than we that's need, not- even though he said. Yeah. You're, you're, you're saying he did that, but that's not a crime. Oh, no, that's not a crime. Okay. Of course so, not. So here's the, well, well, here's the thing, Casey. That's for a jury to decide. And when you say to yourself, any of us, there are professionals who decide if something is a crime. There are prosecutors and judges. And there's grand juries that have very specific rules, statutes, actions that have been testified to have to relate to statutes. There's a very clear means of this. You're suggesting that you've read the indictment. And I'm going to be flippant just for a minute here, okay? You've read the indictment, and you've concluded, with no law degree, the prosecutor in Georgia, the judge overseeing the case, the grand jury, these people, oh, they don't even know what a crime is. Now, that's the part that really gets me about all this with, with Trump supporters, is that when they try to say it wasn't a crime, is it really your call? Isn't, shouldn't the argument be, and I guarantee you, any lawyer walks into court is not going to be, oh, come on, jury, look at that. That's not a crime, right, everybody? No crime there. They're going to have to say the thing he did didn't rise to the level of a crime, and we have to prove. For you to be making the argument that after all of this work, two and a half years of investigation, charges brought against 18 people, is so Mm -hmm. easily dismissed as if these are first-year law students writing up a brief that even someone like you and me can look at these. And I'll just say, I guess what I'm doing is I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that people who brought these charges on a case that's this significant in United States history, they're not going to be foiled by, boy, we didn't even know how to fill out the paperwork. But I feel like that's what you're saying, that these folks are so inept and so blinded by their political hatred that they've blundered themselves and this case should actually be thrown out, Not even doesn't even carry the weight. How, how do you respond to my question and, and, and embedded criticism of that argument? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's simple. Uh, you have a, a political prosecutor who hates Donald Trump, campaigned, like Alvin Bragg on getting Trump and comes up with some uh, charges that they think they can convince, you know, a jury pool by showing, you know, this is this, this is this, this is this, this is this. And, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be fooled by that. And apparently they were, and maybe most of them don't like Trump either. Who knows? But um, it's, it's so obvious that this is just all politics. Okay. Just as simple as that. I and let me, it's not and, at all obvious that this is politics. And I, frankly, I think it takes a very cynical attitude toward our judicial system that you say you trust, but then you say these people are uninformed, able to be duped. No, it's you guys. Um, well, you guys do the same thing with with Hillary's emails, with uh, Hunter Biden's laptop and his crimes, and and all the mounting evidence that's coming out against Joe Biden, which comes out more and more every day you guys are doing the same thing it's just the difference is there's there's no prosecution there's no court situation there's no jury none of that has happened yet so it's easy for you to say oh well since it you know it hasn't been prosecuted yeah then obviously 
it's nothing. So, so, so well, what do you think will happen, Casey, if, let's say, a Republican wins the presidency in 2024 <laughs> or later, and they prosecute Hunter Biden and Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, things that Trump's Justice Department did not do in four years in, in control? And someone then says, oh, all of those crimes didn't happen. They're all just political. Are you going to feel like that's somebody who trusts the political system and trusts the judicial system? Or are you going to say, hey, you now need to trust the evidence because prosecution of Joe Biden is not political? Like, are you really saying it just depends on who it is? And if it's Republicans, then it's fair. And if it's Democrats, then, of course, it's it's political. This, this is exactly why I'm very, very concerned about what the Democrats, the Democrats have crossed the Rubicon, because this is exactly what goes on in third world banana republics. It's whoever is in charge, whoever the party in power is, they rule. They go after the other party. They go after their political enemies. And now... Why wouldn't the Republicans do the exact same thing that the Democrats are doing once they get into power? What's going to prevent them from doing that? And then, yeah, what yeah, is? is? Hold on. And the question is, okay, yeah, is this legitimate? Is this fair? Is this unbiased? Do you see the problem here? This is where the problem lies. (laughs) Now, let me just just say one more thing. If, If the Democrats had waited until after the election or there were more or any for that matter republicans involved in any of these allegations and indictments then it would seem a little more legitimate but right now the way that this is looking it it looks terrible and the american people but when it was when it was january 6th uh um select committee led by Republicans, you said they're not real Republicans. In Georgia, when there's prosecutors who are Republicans, they're not real Republicans. So I, for, to be blunt, I don't think, I think you believe that anybody who moves against Trump is not a real Republican. In our text exchange, you even said Bill Barr, former attorney general for Trump, was a deep state person who has his intention to be to damage Donald Trump. Bill Barr. And Jeff Sessions, when I asked you why did those two why did those two attorneys general not prosecute Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden the way that you say they should be prosecuted because the crimes that you're alleging for both of them took place before those people were attorneys general, you said because they're also part of the deep state. So I just have to say, Casey, in all love, my friend, every time you're met with here's a Republican who's showing this is not simply partisan, you say, no, they too are partisan. So, and I know you're not the only one, and I know this is the talking points that are moved around because I pay a lot of attention to right-wing media, and I hear this not only from you, this is not a Casey claim, singularly, this is what I hear from that side altogether. They're just turning against that crowd all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you can say that, but, uh, I mean... If you just look at what's really going on here, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. And it's sad. It's really, really sad. And I want to share with you a couple couple thoughts about Mm -hmm. why I, when you asked me the question about um, is it a crime or is it just 
whatever your two uh, yeah. questions yeah. were about. Did the he charges. actually do it, or what did what he did not meet the level? Um, of crime? In, in the Georgia indictment, I just want to share a couple uh, things that are in there. Um, first of all, Act ninety six. Act ninety six says that Mark Meadows sent a text asking if there was a way to speed up the Fulton County signature verification. So now texting is a crime. No, it's not. It's not the action of texting. It was the request that was going on in the texting. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the action. It would be like, he called them on the phone. Well, now you can't make a phone call. It's not about texting. It's about what you did over text. Is there any way to speed up the signature verification? And and go on, read the read the rest of it. What else does it say? What what's the meaning of Act ninety six in the indictment? They they know, list that to... they list that as an action, and then they say, what about it? What's the what's the crime that they say was committed by seeking the speeding up of the verification of the signatures? I don't have that right in front of me, so you'll okay. have to tell me. All right. Well, so so that's probably what you need to look at because what they're not saying is he sent a text. That's a crime. What they're saying is by doing that, here a person who is using his political office to pressure the people in another state who have full jurisdiction over their own uh, verification system, he's using that position to pressure and to obstruct. That's the that's well, the argument. So don't try to, th- I mean, don't don't be fooled into thinking it was the act of texting and asking a question. Texting and questions now are illegal. I mean, that is not an honest, and I know you're an honest person, and that is not an honest reading of what's going on in that indictment. Fonnie Willis, and no judge is going to sign off on, on an arrest warrant for these people if all they're doing is saying he sent a text message asking a question. Again, a prosecutor cannot simply bring a charge. It has to be vetted through a system, and a warrant has to be signed by a judge. So you can say what you want about Fonnie Willis, but it involves many more than one person to be able to bring an indictment. And I know they say you can indict a ham sandwich, but you can't just go yeah. off and indict a human being in the United States of America on these kinds of charges. So, but, so anyway, but, that, that's but, what I think is going on. Let me point out something else in response to that. The word pressure Mm -hmm. and the idea of using one's political office, which, uh, what was he, Uh, uh, Trump's... uh, Chief of staff. uh, Chief of staff, yeah. Which, I mean, chief of staff, I mean, I don't know what kind of uh, power that really has beyond his staff, but anyways, uh, so... Well, well, so the yeah. idea in using one's political office, those those are interpretations. Yeah, that's an interpret. That's right. And, yeah. and that's and that's what that's why there's going to be a trial, because the prosecutor prosecutor said to the grand jury, we believe we interpret those actions as to be a crime. And the grand jury said, we think there's probable cause for that. And a judge said, we think that's legitimate. So yeah. you can issue an arrest warrant based on that alleged alleged crime, then it will be vetted in a court of law. You seem to be saying, don't vet it in a court of law. Don't have these crimes looked at. Absolutely, we should have these crimes looked at. Any crimes. Joe Biden's alleged crimes, 
bring them up. I mean, in our text exchanges, you know, we do, I'm doing this all the time. I'm like, please just show me the evidence, Jim Jordan, shirt, you know, jacketless Jim Jordan, who's a, a congressman from Ohio. Please, please, uh, Representative Comer, bring about, I mean, look, if Joe Biden has committed crimes, he should be prosecuted 100%. If Hillary, Clinton, if Hillary Clinton committed crimes, she should be prosecuted. I wish Bill Barr and Jeff Sessions had looked at it closely. Oh, it turns out they did, and they chose not to press charges. So I'm going to set the Hillary Clinton aside. Joe Biden, going to set that one aside because people have already looked at it. Now, that doesn't mean somebody should be done. Investigators should keep investigating. I mean, my, you, you know, I've been writing this to you for a long time. Like, investigators should investigate. Don't stop investigating. All of them. Everybody Good. who's involved in public service, if they're alleged, of, if, if they're accused of a crime by somebody, they should, it should yeah. be looked into for sure. And then we should follow the process. That's all I'm saying. All right. Can, can I show this text, this text exchange that, that, that you and I had? Um, well, actually, let me get your response to this one. This was Trump's okay. first tweet since he was kicked off of uh, off of Twitter and then allowed back on. He wasn't on Twitter because he wanted people to be over on Truth Social, but he thought this one was right. worth it because he's doing some fundraising off of this. So he writes, mugshot, uh, you know, with the date, election interference, all caps, never yep, surrender. Yep. And, and it just struck me, and I know a lot of people have commented on this, and my friend Brandon first brought this up to me when he sent me this because I hadn't seen it. He said, actually, the direct opposite of never surrendering. The mugshot was taken when he surrendered himself to the authority of the court. Why do you think Donald Trump, after surrendering himself into the care of the court and being put under arrest, then wants to say no surrender. Do you think there's something going on And you as a Trump supporter? Did you feel like him being arrested and then detained and being then let out on bail but still under the jurisdiction of the court is a weakening state status where Donald Trump had to say, in all caps with an exclamation point, never surrender even though he just did surrender to the, to the court? Yeah. Um, great question. So first of all, I, I want to make a few comments here. Um, number one, what an amazing mugshot. I mean, this is the mugshot heard around the world. This is the most famous man in the world, which, you know, whatever the legal mumbo jumbo is on that, you got to wonder, okay, did they really have to take a mugshot? I mean, are people, people aren't going to recognize Donald Trump if he flees. No one's going to know who he is. Really? Okay. You know, so that, that, that sure. smacks of pop. Got and then it. second, um, you know, cause the Democrats, they've been dying for this mugshot. They've been dying for it. They, oh my mm -hmm. gosh. And it's they true. finally got, and look at it. I mean, look at, look at the lighting. Look at, look at how, I mean, that is like, that's not what I think of when I think of a mugshot. I think of somebody in an orange jumpsuit you know, like when we go to the DMV and we get our mugshot taken for our driver's license, I don't know about you, but my picture looks awful. I mean, you know, and now they got these rules where you can't smile and all this stuff, and the pictures never look good. Um, but his picture actually looks pretty darn good. I'm like, was that professionally taken with professional lighting? I mean, this, and then you got to look at the look on his face. You know, that's just a look of defiance. And that's why he says no surrender because Sure, huh. he's followed the law. He submitted huh. to the court. Um, yes, he surrendered 
to the court, but he's not surrendering to this huh. radical mob okay. that's going after. So um, he may he may have surrendered here, but he's not surrendering in the sense of the battle that he's facing here. Yeah, that's what he meant by. It. Well, I know, I know. Well, I, I I appreciate your take on that. Uh, I really do because I saw that photo and I thought just the opposite. I thought. For all the times that Donald Trump has been so careful about his image, so very careful about with his photographer, his White House photographer, about what angles would be shot, this is not an attractive picture of, of anyone, in my, in my view. In, in my view, yeah. that picture of a person is not one that he is going to like. His presidential photos rarely ever look like this. This looks like, um, well, looks like a mugshot. He... Um, I, and I'm not going to make you answer this one because I know you, you didn't want to. But when he got out of uh, uh, the being apprehended and they let him go uh, after posting $200,000 bail after he got himself a bail, bail bondsman, um, he went on a Newsmax show and said, then they made me take a mug shot and I've never heard of a mug shot. I didn't know that expression. Right. You're welcome to comment if you want. I find that hard to believe that an educated adult in America who like, is the head of the um, of the of the legal apparatus I, I, of the United States government has never heard the phrase mugshot. That's not at all possible. Oh, I, I know you'd love that. And um, I'm sorry I did not hear or see that particular comment. Okay. I um, I think the spirit of what he was trying to say is just, you know, how inconceivable you know this is that a former president is finding himself in this situation and i know you think it's because he's guilty of everything they've alleged but um but i think his point is look at the sad state of affairs of this great country hmm. that we've stooped level of we're now prosecuting former presidents taking their mug shots and the left is just giddy giddy i mean i watched the cnn and the msnbc people they were giddy over this in fact yeah, i agree she almost couldn't contain her laughter at the thought of of donald trump having to walk into a prison which is known for yeah. you know violence and people dying and horrid conditions and all this stuff and it's kind of like oh oh, oh 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 you know just can't contain the laughter on that one so um the trump the trump hatred is is uh, like you said, it's it's vicious and it's blinding. And oh it's yeah, sad. yeah. No, look, I, I will not argue with that. There is a blinding level of opposition to Donald Trump. There is a personal hatred of Donald Trump. We're about to show a video that you um, wanted us to show of uh, of people sure. responding to Joe Biden in Hawaii, and then people responding to Donald Trump in Hawaii. We can't play the audio of what the anti-Biden people are saying, because it would then give us an explicit uh, rating on all of these, all these uh, video places. So I'll just simply say, based on this video and my own experience, the opposition to Joe Biden, the opposition to Barack Obama, the opposition to Bill and Hillary Clinton, the opposition to Nancy Pelosi, is also really ratcheted up, my friend. Uh, the hatred of these people has no bounds. Mm -hmm. 
the hatred of Republicans by Democrats and other leftists has no bounds, for sure. I think we shouldn't be hating anybody. You know, I, I, it's very difficult to work in a, for all of us to work in a, live in a world where we know that people are working directly against the causes that we think matter, and yet we don't want to hate them. We don't want to hate our enemies. We want to love them, Jesus teaches. So I want to do that. It's really hard to love yourself, to love your God, to love your neighbor, and to love your enemy. So somehow you have to be in opposition to, but not hatred of. That's really hard. Not everybody's good at it. Uh, very few of us are actually are actually good at it. So yes, there is hatred of Donald Trump. But hey, we I agree hope... on some. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and there's hatred of Joe Biden. Um, uh, let, let me be blunt. Do you hate Joe Biden? Do you hate I, Barack hate, Obama? Oh, no, I just hate what yeah. they stand for and I, yeah. what they're doing to our country. Yep, yep. Uh, they're um, still, no, like I think you, you're falsely accusing Joe Biden of doing things that he is clearly not doing. If, if he was brought before the court uh, of Casey Franklin, uh, you would bring charges that he is causing all this. I would say he will be found innocent. His hands are I, on that crime scene. I agree with you that Joe Biden is clearly doing things that he's probably unaware of. <laughs> okay. okay. He's a when I when I was painting it, my my house yesterday, my my new painting shirt is these shirts we made at Vogue Common Good, which uh, are uh, Donald Trump saying camera, woman, flowers after he had to prove from his own dementia test that he didn't have dementia. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a lot of times where people do things, uh, and I think you're making a, a a statement about the the mental acumen and perhaps the age of uh, of the president. When do we do that test with Joe Biden? I think they I think they did it recently. I don't know that. Uh, I know Donald Trump was really worried about it, so he shared it with people because he didn't want it to be leaked that his doctor oh. recommended a dementia test. I mean, that was the news story from 2021. So I don't know. Or from uh, from 2019. Um, all right. Uh, do, do you want to show this video and tell, tell us why you think it's important? Um, we're going to try to talk over it. It's not very long, but we also had to cut the audio because the as has been my experience in many places with anti-Democrat uh, and pro-Trump supporters, the language is often um, so violent and so, uh, I mean, you know, Look, I am far from being an approved, uh, but it's stuff that I don't want to put on our on our on our video and social channels. But no, and I, I appreciate you uh, muting it out. I totally forgot about the the profanity. And let me just set it up real fast. Yeah. Um, so there there are two clips kind of contrasting one another. Um, the first clip is in Hawaii uh, of people on the streets as Joe Biden his motorcade go by as he arrives on the island after what was it i don't know a week or two after the fire which he claimed he did that because he didn't want to quote unquote be in the way when everything was actually burned to the ground and there was nothing left which is kind of odd so um he finally shows up and uh that's the reception that he receives that you'll see and then contrast that with and and this is the reception uh, just the other day of Trump arriving in Georgia as, on his way to the Fulton County uh, Courthouse prison jail. Okay. All right. So, That's the so, so here it is. We'll talk over it. Uh, hopefully people can hear it. Um, 
All right, so it's uh, this is put out by uh, Sebastian Gorka. It's a guy giving the finger and yelling the F word repeatedly to the Joe Biden um, uh, motorcade as it goes by. It's one guy yelling and then cut to Donald Trump's welcome in Georgia and a bunch of people cheering Donald Trump's welcome uh, when he when he's in Georgia, as you say, and people are standing there and they're yelling yay and cheering and cheering and cheering. All right. And Casey, tell me the point of this from your vantage point. Yeah. So from my from my perspective, and this is my humble opinion, um, what you see there is uh, people's sentiment beginning to change about what is going on in our country. Now, granted, these are people who probably just uh, went through something absolutely horrible, horrid. You know, I mean, there's a thousand kids still missing last I heard. I mean, people lost everything, including their their children. And um, I mean, it's just awful when you look at what what took place there. And obviously, these people are upset. And I think they're upset because they perceive that their president doesn't care. He he gave him, what, seven hundred dollars per household. When you compare that to uh, the Ukrainians receiving twenty three hundred dollars per household uh, in aid so far, I mean, hopefully they'll they'll uh, give more um, to those victims in Hawaii, our own our own citizens. Um, And then it takes them a week or two to show up. So I can understand why they're upset. And and then you see um, what's going on in Georgia, where uh, this so-called criminal not a so-called criminal he's actually an arrested person on charges it's not not in quotes or so-called he may be found innocent but he's been arrested as a he's been charged with crimes yeah convicted of no crime that's right so so so-called criminal is received by the people in georgia with cheers so I think that tells you a lot about what's going on in our country right now. I think people are starting to see exactly what's going on. And quite honestly, Doug, you guys should be a little bit worried because um, this mugshot and this this whole thing, um, first of all, I, I think his mugshot is going to go down in history as one of the great iconic American images and not For in a sure. negative way. Not in, not in the way that you believe. We, we were almost and there. <laughs> secondly, um, I think you guys should be worried because um, this mugshot is going to pretty much seal the fate uh, for the black vote for Trump. Because a lot of uh, people of color who have been or seen, either been or see themselves as victims of the system. Yeah. And well, now could, yeah, could be now Trump can identify with them and they can identify with him. Yeah, it could be. It could be. I don't think that's helped a lot of other white collar criminals, but it, it it might be might be the case. Let me give you a different reading of this video that Sebastian Gorka, a person who I think um, does not deserve our respect as a as a commentator. Uh, posted. That's the one we just showed. <clears throat> so he says, here's one man standing outside yelling profanities at Joe Biden. One guy. I promise you, a president drives by anywhere, people yell at him. I stood on the corner in Washington, D.C., watched Donald Trump drive within one foot of me, looked him square in the eye. 
Uh, and uh, that happens all the time. An individual person's reaction, I don't think, is capturing the country. I'm pretty sure Hawaii is not full of people hating on Joe Biden. Now, so I will just say that. And then this cut to the Georgia clip. Yabitz put it in the uh, Yabitz put it in the in the chat. These were people cheering while Donald Trump is driving himself to turn himself in at the Fulton County Courthouse. I don't think, think he was. I think you could interpret this not as them saying, yay, Donald Trump. But, yeah, you now got to go turn yourself in. So take one guy who hates Trump or who hates Biden and then contrast it with a group of people who we don't know what they're cheering about. I would suggest it's likely that they were cheering because they knew that he was going to turn himself in. They weren't holding up pro-Trump signs. They were cheering for the fact that he was presenting himself as a criminal. So I, now this is a great this is a great Rorschach test, though. Sebastian yeah. Gorka sees two videos. He puts them up. You put them out and you say, I think this indicates the world as I see it. And I'm like, oh, I think this indicates the world as I see it, too. There's always a percentage of people that hate political leaders. And I think these people are cheering that Donald Trump is is finally going to be held accountable for the crimes that he's alleged to have committed. And the process is starting now. So I, I would say, OK, but but this is more important. I, I think this is a perfect example of what we see. And this is this is comes from Buddhist teaching. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are, that we project mm. ourselves onto the world. Now, we try to do all kinds of things all the time to, you know, alleviate those bias. Um, but I think that's what's going on. So I, it's I think this is just an interesting I don't know, like here's two of us. Again, I think what's interesting about our conversation is we're of similar ages, uh, similar backgrounds. We're both passionate and we care. We're friends who love each other, known each other for a long time. And then we get to this and we're just like, no, it's that. You remember those things that were around on the Internet a while back? I don't know. There was like a picture and there was one that was a color. And it was like, do you see this color or this color? Um, or do you see the, I don't know, the woman drinking water or the duck or whatever it is? I can't remember what the details are. Do you remember what, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's a lot of those things out. There's even old fashioned ones on paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and maybe a poster. I remember a poster with an F-16 in it, like a fighter jet. Um, and could you see it or not? And and that's what it feels like. Some, like we look at the same data, the same actions, and have such radically different perspectives. And the question is why? And frankly, I think you think that I'm, because you've wanted my eyes to be opened, I think this is right, you think that I'm so biased in my blinded hatred of Donald Trump or his cause that I can't see clearly. And I think that you have a fetish commitment to Donald Trump that causes you, an otherwise reasonable person, to say things about Donald Trump's actions that you would never say about anyone else's. And it's a standout that I think is an example of someone who's caught up in a world where you're, for some reason, not allowed to think the things about Donald Trump that you would think about anyone else. Okay. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a, a valid point that you're making there, and I appreciate that because you're absolutely right that we all interpret the world through our own lens, and um, you know I I think that you know um, I'm just as guilty of it, and I'm sure um, you know you're you're doing a lot of projecting yourself onto Donald Trump with things, but here's the thing about Donald Trump that I I keep trying to kind of bring us back to, and that is. It's not really about him. 
Um, I know you guys love to make it about Donald J. Trump. He represents something much bigger, much more powerful. And it's what he represents to some of us, to a lot of us, um, that matters, that that causes us to say, hey, I like this guy. And, and part of it, uh, quite honestly, is the fact that the radical left and and people that think like you hate him so much. And I, when I say hate, I know you don't hate him as a person. You believe he's a child of God. I believe he's a child of God. I believe you're a child of God. I believe Joe Biden is a child of God. But you know what I mean when I say hate. Yeah, I do. You or, and because he's hated so much by the people that hate him, it causes people like me to go, Hmm. Why is that? What does he represent to them that is so threatening? And I know your answer would be different from my answer, but my answer is he represents freedom, American values, the Constitution, um, small government, limited government, limited taxes, uh, he represents freedom of speech and all of these things, in my opinion, are being attacked viciously. And I would even call it an insurrection. What we're experiencing right now is a slow motion insurrection takeover by the radical left of our country. And Donald Trump represents probably the only person, at least one of very few, who will be able to stop it. Hmm. Well, that that is uh, that is like the person that sees the red dot to me, you know, whatever that I, I'm just like, truly, man. Um, yeah. Well, maybe Donald you're seeing Trump's them. bullying, bullying and rudeness and cruelty and telling the police not to be careful when they put somebody in the back of a squad car and calling immigrants the names that he does and saying we should suspend the constitution in light of him and somebody who keeps documents and shows them to people like the almost everything the way he down talks america the stuff he says about it the stuff he says about people who disagree with him the names he calls i mean just all the way down the line but look my opposition to donald trump is not his rudeness his crassness his in his ineffective ineffectiveness it is the it is the policies that he invokes fundamentally, fundamentally. We can talk about big government. I'd love to do that sometime. I think we should do a whole thing on actually the positions of Donald Trump that you hold and that you like and the things you think represent that. Um, I I, I was told that last week I was in uh, Milwaukee and I was interviewing people outside the the Republican National Committee presidential debate. We're going to be showing a bunch of those interviews on our on these channels. So maybe we could do them for one of these. And what I heard from those folks there is basically what I heard from you and just now and it's a version of the enemy of my enemy is my friend why am i supporting donald trump because people like you hate him so much okay i yeah, get no, it. That's, no 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 that that's not the sole reason did it that okay, it, did, did i mishear of, you earlier when you said when people on the are leftists are so opposed to donald trump it makes you think they must be opposed to those people are for something bad so they must be opposing something good and therefore i want to be on the side of good because that is the enemy of my enemy is my friend rationale. right but 
But but the only difference, the clarification point I'd like to make there is that's not the sole foundational reason. Yeah. That's just on the part cake. Of it. it's, yeah, just, it's just part of it. Yeah, yeah, got it. It's an ingredient. It's an ingredient. It's not the entirety. Yeah. It's not an apple. It's a, it's a cake. So one of the ingredients is that. But another one of the ingredients, which I think you also said, and this is what a number of these people said, was all of those people, this is them standing outside. We heard it from multiple folks. All the people pointing at the, at the arena where the debate was going to happen, all those other candidates, they're all also part of the problem. They're also, a lot of the Republicans oh. in Congress are part of the problem. I'm not here as a Republican. I'm here for Donald Trump because the Republicans and the Democrats are in the same boat. Those mm -hmm. people are all against America and against my freedom. I've lived under both their administrations. I've lived under both of them being in control of the federal and state governments. And things are still terrible for me. They are the problem. And Donald Trump is different than all of them. That is an argument that when I tell people, hey, I do this thing with Casey Franklin, this red hat, blue hat thing. And they're like, what does he think? And I, I say that, some version of that. I say Casey's primary argument as a Republican, is that somehow Donald Trump fulfills Republican needs, but more than that, he's separate from the rest of the swamp. And they yeah, support him because he's different than the rest of the political system. That's a fair assessment. And I think that there are both, um, there's, there's people of all political stripes that kind of fall into that category uh, that don't necessarily um, support Donald Trump. Sure. But I think there's people out there. Um, and it's one of the things that I, I understand it, but it makes me sad because I think it creates this sense of apathy. People in our country for a long time, sadly, have basically thrown up their hands and said they're all corrupt. Yep. It's, it's beyond anything that I can do as one person to fix the problem. So I'm just going to tune out. Yeah. Um, I, I played hockey last night um, and I was hanging out with a couple guys afterwards. And one of them, uh, I don't even know how I brought up politics. I did not want to get into politics. We fortunately <laughs> didn't get in. Um, but he did say one thing. He said, they're all corrupt and there's nothing I can do about it. And it's sad. I just want to stay out of it. And I think that's one of the problems that we're facing as a country. And I think that's why, partly, in part, one of the another ingredient is people look at Donald Trump and say, you know what? He might be the only guy that can fix the mess. And um, I'm going to... I'm going to see what he can do. Yeah, look, look, because, I, I hear you, and I think oh. you're onto something really strongly here. But I, I would say that the Republicans and the Democrats are not on the same side of corruption. They're on the same side of a political movements, and they're on a spectrum. And then there's Trump. So I agree that you get the Republicans and the Democrats together. And then there's Trump. Now, there are real differences between Republicans and Democrats. I'm not saying there's not. But they're in one engagement. And then there's Trump. And I don't think it's corruption versus uh, fix it. Clearly, after four years of Donald Trump as president, two impeachments, ineffectiveness, and, and multiple arrests, not that. And then after his presidency. 
I just I don't think he's the anti-corruption. I don't think he's the anti-corruption president. Yeah. Here's what I think the difference is. I think the difference is that you have a libertine democratic system on one side, which is Republicans and Democrats, and then you have authoritarianism on the other. And I think what Donald Trump represents is strongman authoritarianism. I am your retribution. No. I am the single one. They can't help you. I can. Suspend the Constitution in light of me. If I say it, then it's not illegal. His commitment to Kim Jong-un, his commitment to Vladimir Putin, his commitment to the president of Hungary, his constant commitment to strongmen and his opposition to international and national democratic processes. I think that's what we're seeing. History's going to bear it out. I think that's why people like Sebastian Gorka are with Trump, because they're all for that kind of strong. It's what Bill Barr calls the unitary presidency, meaning that when the president says it, that's it, full stop. We've had those arguments in this country. We'll continue to have them. But I think what we're talking about is a democratic system versus an authoritarian system. And, uh, and that's what's going on. And people who think that the authoritarian will come in and fix it and just let him have at it. He'll take care of it. He will solve it. What will happen is every time, which has happened now, everybody then who stands up to Donald Trump, whether it's his secretary of defense, his secretary of state, his secretary of, of education, the attorney generals, every time any of those people disagree with him, he then says, they were fools, they're not real Republicans, they're not with us, and his support gets smaller and smaller and smaller. That's what we're seeing. It's following all the patterns of this. So we can have that conversation going down further. I do think there's a point to be made about how Republicans and Democrats are together, and then there's Donald Trump, but I don't think it's based on corruption and non-corruption. I think it's based on democratic values and authoritarian values. Okay. Let me just respond real quick. Please. Just real quick. Won't be long. Um, I love you, Doug. I love you as a friend, but I just got to tell you, you're seeing this all wrong. It's, it's the case of the red dot. Again, you're seeing the red dot. Uh, maybe the red dots Trump. I don't know. <laughs> An orange dot. <laughs> or it's the red. But uh, yeah, you're just, you're looking at it all wrong. And, um, the reason is because, um, Donald Trump, I mean, l let's look at, okay. You want to talk about authoritarianism? Yeah. Let's look at. Look at his authoritarian. I mean, okay. he's basically autocracy. I mean, vaccine mandates, uh, ignoring the Supreme Court's ruling on student loan debt. He says, forget the Supreme Court. We don't need that. You know, and that's what a lot of Democrats are saying now. Oh, we don't need a Supreme Court. We can just do whatever we want. We disagree with the Supreme Court's decision. So therefore, we're just going to do whatever we believe. That's what's going on right now. So everything that the left accuses Trump of being and doing, they're actually doing themselves. Well, that, that is not what they're doing with student loan forgiveness. Um, that is not uh, what they're doing with vac vaccine mandates or for federal employees only. They do this all the time under federal OSHA laws. So if you want to, and okay. look, I get it. There, some people are so anti-federal uh, government they don't want a lot of those things to exist. I mean, I remember when there were debates among Republicans in 2004 um, or 2008 saying that they wanted to get rid of the Department of Education. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that's that's old Rick Perry. Like, that's been going on for a long Okay, we can have all those arguments. I know a lot of 
old school Republicans still want to fight 1930s New Deal uh, movement that created Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, and and then in the 1960s the expansion of civil rights and the expansion of welfare system and all the rest. Fair enough. We should totally have those arguments. But being on one side of that versus the other does not make you authoritarian. What does make you authoritarian I- <laughs> uh, might be the kinds of things that we've seen under Donald Trump. But it seems like that's a pretty good red hat, blue hat day for us so far. But Casey, last week when we were having a little internet problem, I had to try to sing a song uh, to the good people who pay attention to this podcast, and lots of things went, went bad. But you, my friend, uh, because I should just tell people who are new to all this, uh, I'm a new guitar player a year and a half. Casey's a longtime guitar player. I learn a lot from him. So we, we text about this kind of stuff, hockey, and because um, uh, 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 Casey's a, a great hockey goalie, uh, and guitar. So we, uh, our, our texts are full of more things than just us uh, trying to help each other see you know, how we're about to drive off the cliff. Uh, it's also uh, this other stuff. So we're going to have a song each week. And Casey, with his guitar outside in Colorado, I mean, you just can't get better than this, uh, especially if the audio works. It would just be such a treat. All right, Casey, let's hear it, my friend. All right, let me see if I can... Let you see my guitar a little bit here. Yeah, let me. Uh, I really wish. I could the, let me. Let me. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Let me see if I can change something on my end here. Well, the south side of Chicago. Part of town, and if you go down there, you better just be aware of a man named Leroy Brown. Not Leroy for the trouble. He's stand about six foot four, about as tall as Doug. And all the down, he's calling treetop lover, but the men just call him sir. He's bad. <laughs> I couldn't stand it, Casey. I just had to run over and grab my guitar uh, and uh, start playing I'll, along. So, so dang fun. I'll teach you that one, man. Oh, I'm on it with you. Love- yeah, we should do that one together. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks, Casey. Love you, buddy. Uh, talk to you in a, in a week or so. Uh, thanks, everybody, for all your comments. Hey, Casey, I just want to kind of go through and recognize some of the people in their comments. We'll go in reverse order. Yabitz, thanks for uh, all that you've been. Uh, Yabitz gave you a, a yoo-hoo, uh, which is a wahoo. Alex gives you a very nice, um, perfect oh. song for you, uh, Barbara says uh, on there. Um, Kimberly uh, has been with us. Peggy, Faith, thanks, Faith, for your nice comments. Uh, let me get so many. Uh, Bonnie, thank you for being a part of all of this. Laura, Fred, so many uh, from some of the same people. M. Ray, appreciate all of you being uh, uh, Glenn. Hey, share this uh, with family and friends, if you would, if you think they'd be interested in this. Valerie, you can go ahead and do that same kind of thing. 
uh, share this around. If you don't know which one you want to share, because everybody's on Facebook, if that's where you are, or Twitter, go over to our YouTube channel. You can find it all over there and uh, just grab this link and be able to share it with people. We're going to try to do this uh, most Mondays, um, at least for a while. Uh, so thanks for all of you still looking at this. Uh, Stacy, um, uh, Ahu, Valerie. I think I may have said Valerie already. Mark. Thanks for your comments. So, so many. We, we appreciate it that all of you are, uh, are chiming in on this. And um, Casey, most of all, thanks to you, buddy. And uh, thanks, bud. any last appreciate words your from you? No, just appreciate your friendship. And uh, um, one of these days, I'll, I'll sing my Joe Biden version of this song for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't think I had a couple of Trump, Trump some Folsom Prison songs going through my head? I mean, it's... <laughs> It's uh, it's something, you know, but this is also this is one of the reasons why I hold to an eschatology of goodness, a future of goodness, a coming of goodness, because um, I don't want to live in a world where we only have choices between, uh, you know, uh, lesser of two evils. I want to yeah. I want to think that we can always pick the, um, the the better of two goods. And uh, and I want that to be part of it. So and you're you're part of a good world to me, Casey. So th thanks, buddy. Hey, y'all. We'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Last word, Casey. Anything? No, man, just thank you so much for your friendship and for giving me a chance to, to share. And uh, and I uh, love your uh, friendship, man. Right on. Thanks, buddy. All right, bye, all. Hey, also, there's an audio version of this on our podcast. Bye.